Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, and this week I'm speaking to Perrin Drum, the founder and director of Ion Design, their website and print magazine which forms part of the AIGA. So for anyone who's not familiar with it, the AIGA is the American Institute of Graphic Arts. Uh, and in this podcast, Perrin speaks about the reasons why this big organization wanted to start uh, a new thing to reach out to a new audience Um, and she also talks about the ways in which she goes about keeping things fresh and exciting and interesting. She's normally based over in New York but she was here in London to speak at MagCulture's ModMag conference and I was really excited to get her to stop in and speak to us for the podcast. I think the thing I associate most with Ion Design in its print format is the sense of fun and playfulness that jumps off every page. They tackle some big and controversial subjects and they always engage seriously with real, proper, rigorous journalistic process. But the end result has this lovely lightness of touch that comes from the confidence of experienced people who've been given the freedom to do something they really care about. As you can probably tell, I'm a big fan, so I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Perrin Drum from Iron Design. Perrin, thank you very much for coming over and seeing us at Somerset House. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So, like, this is one of those conversations that has been a long time coming. We've emailed an awful lot going back mm-hmm. and forth, um, but this is first time actually meeting. That's right. I am totally fascinated by what you're doing with Ion Design, but first of all, I think that for anyone who's not familiar with it, it'd be good if you could just give us a bit of an overview of of what is this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Ion Design is a website and a magazine uh, that tells the stories about the world's most exciting designers and the issues they care about. Um, Often that's the designers who are doing the most sort of experimental work, but it doesn't, it's not just limited to young designers, it's designers all over the world of all ages. Um, and it's not just graphic designers. Uh, we also, I mean, we, we do write about a lot of traditional design disciplines like typography and illustration, but also UX design and animation and motion graphics and infographics and um, where all of those people's niche interests sort of intersect with broader issues uh, in culture right now. Um, things like mental health and art and gender issues and politics and education. So I guess it's important to say that this is under the auspices of the AIGA. Mm-hmm. Right. So it started in 2014 as a sort of side project to what was then um, my regular day job with AIJ as their managing editor. And they realized that this 100-year-old nonprofit organization was having a hard time reaching young designers. They had done a really good job of speaking to mid-career and older designers, um, but they were really missing out on the college to sort of mid-career phase of people. And they came to me and said, can you do something about that? And I was like, yeah, no problem. I'll just start this blog and, uh, <laughs> and I'll talk to my people because I'm in that age range. Um, so it really started from there. And um, once I was able to bring on uh, some new editors, it grew very, very quickly. Because, the, so I mean, it, so it started as a blog. Mm-hmm. I mean, the website that you have now, I don't think you could very well just describe it as a blog. I mean, the, you've got you. so much going on there. <laughs> what, what's, been the, like, the, what's been the process of like, evolution from that start? Right. So it started with just me for about the first year. Um, And I guess I have a, I never really thought about it until the last week or so when I 
was thinking about what to say on this podcast, but um, <laughs> I guess I have like 10 years of training in digital journalism. Um, I started out in magazines, but more recently I had been tasked with bringing print magazine sort of digital face um, up to speed. Um, right before AIJ, I was at Condé Nast doing that for Details Magazine, RIP. Um, so I thought a lot about what journalism online can and should be. Um, certainly have seen the evolution of personal blogs go to be more professional things, but I really wanted this to be um, something that a professional organization could be proud of. So even though it is friendly and approachable and it is pink and that is very intentional, um, it is also backed by a sort of, um, I wouldn't call it an academic rigor because we don't think of ourselves as academic, but there are um, journalistic practices, ethics, sort of reporting basics that we very much adhere to. Mm. And then the, I mean, the reason that I'm speaking to you today is because you're not just making this as something that's online. You also have a totally beautiful and amazing print magazine. Was that always part of the plan right from the beginning, or is it something that just kind of fitted in along the way? Yeah, no way. Uh, I never, <laughs> <laughs> I never thought this would be my full-time job ever. So I. The fact that it started small and saw an audience and then it sort of slowly became my full-time job at AIGA, that alone was really exciting. The way that the magazine came around was around this time last year, we started our very first iDesign conference. And I thought, hey, we're going to get all of these iDesign fans together in one room. What better place to launch a magazine? Because being a magazine lover, I guess always in the back of my head somewhere, I fantasized about having one of my own. So we used the conference as sort of a, a launching pad for a pilot issue, um, and that was sort of half size of what it is today. Uh, and then that got a really good response, and we got really excited about the idea of translating um, the Ein Design voice into a print magazine. And it sort of became this this thing that we couldn't shake, and we yeah we just went all out and did it. And so what do you feel the print magazine brings to the party with all of this? What, what does that give you that you're either not getting online or that it's just is a, a slightly different experience? Yeah. Um, so, well, the first major thing is that all of our issues are themed. So when we, we look at the three issues that we publish each year, we try and think, what is the design story that we want to tell over the course of a year? And we break those into themes that are... Um, specific enough, uh, enough to give us some focus, but also loose enough to give us a lot of room for interpretation and and fun and um, ways to come at it in long form pieces and portfolio pieces and fun weird little things. Um, what we also do, what I think is really unique about Eye and Design, is that for all of the themed issues, we bring on a special guest designer, someone whose work we've really admired for a long time, and someone whose work we think. Um, fits with the theme and can tell that theme in a visual way versus obviously the the, the written way that we are. Um, so what we're able to do with the print magazine is zero in on one topic and really come at it from a million different perspectives, whereas online, um, I mean, we're still telling rigorous, great stories, but uh, the cadence is just sort of always an ongoing versus kind of concentrated into one um, manifestation of that idea. I mean, that, that's the deal with online, right? The, you, no matter how much stuff you put up on that website, there's still more space to fill on that website, mm -hmm. whereas the, the magazine yeah. gives you an opportunity to produce a volume of something. Yeah, yeah. It's a chance to, I mean, I wouldn't say that we get off the treadmill of publishing because it is an additional thing. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's just, yeah, so now we're running on two treadmills at the same time. It's a bunch of hamsters in this room. Um, 
No, it's a different way to think about storytelling. Um, on the website, we're thinking um, maybe with we have the luxury of thinking a month and a half out at the most, but usually it's a couple weeks out. With the magazine, we're thinking months and months out because we're hoping that the magazine has a shelf life that's well beyond um, you know, the four months that we've put into it. And I think it's interesting that your first response when I ask about what this brings is the themes because the themes, it seems to me, are deliberately very playful you're you're picking things that give you a lot of breadth to speak about design stories that might not otherwise get told yeah so we started our first themed issue uh was uh invisible and that came out in march of this year in 2018 um and for that one we wanted to find a designer who had a really good grasp of the sort of invisible Uh, aspects of design, aka grids and the things that actually go on beneath the page that you as the reader don't see, um, but could also bring a sort of sense of playfulness and whimsy to it and wasn't afraid to break those grids. Um, So we worked with Maziar Palavan, who is an amazing designer, and he did some really, really cool things. The interior is a bit austere in black and white, um, but also a bit gritty at at times, but the cover um, has this really cool, clear holographic foil stamp that you can't see until you turn it in the light. So, um, I mean, in the issue, we uh, we 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 talk about design in a serious and a playful way, and I think the cover kind of embodies that, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so for issue two, we really wanted to take a total 180 from this black and white issue and go deep into the world of color. So our theme for that is psych. And so we looked at the way um, that design and mind-altering experiences sort of came together in a lot of different ways. Everything from the traditional ways that we think about psychedelia from the 60s and 70s, those sort of like acid-laced posters of uh, Victor Moscoso and like the Northern California designers to um, uh, the way that psychology and mental health uh, plays a role in the design and creative world. Um, and then we have all these like fun mind altering tricks and games that we throw throughout because we think that a magazine should be fun. And with both of them, you really make use of the physicality of the magazine. So whether it's, um, in the first one, what was that game where the, like, there were like the hidden codes in the magazine? Oh yeah, we had a couple. There was, we had recipes for, to make your own, uh, invisible ink, um, (laughs) We weren't able to actually print with invisible ink because that we did look into it. That was <laughs> insanely difficult. Uh, but you can make it yourself and you can actually apply it to the magazine. We have um, this clear piece of vellum that has like a secret code on it. So if you take it out and lay it over parts of the magazine, um, different stories will be revealed within the story that's printed. Uh, we have this sort of code grid thing that you can tear out and you cut these holes out of it and then you lay it over a story and then other kind of codes within the story are revealed so we had a lot of fun with that, that it's so cool and, and also <laughs> so the is it now set that the cover is the same format of so you you've got several die cut circles mm-hmm. which literally lead the reader into the issue Right. Yeah, I'd say about 5% of the magazine stays the same from issue to issue, enough that we want it to uh, be clear that you're reading an issue of iDesign, but we also want to give the designer 95% of the breathing room to do whatever he or she likes. And so when you're working with a different designer each time, I mean, this obviously, it throws up all sorts of opportunities because you've got a whole new set of eyes coming to this project. It must also give you <laughs> so many headaches. Isn't it just, wouldn't it be nice just to have a designer who knew what they were doing and that was it? 
it's yeah. <laughs> listen steve this is part of our ethos we really put it in the hands of designers that we feel are amazing um no of course there's some issues we've had to um uh, we get better at tweaking our process every time that we do this both in the printing and production and also in the creation of the thing um from the get-go one thing that we found was really useful is that um, we have a sort of in-house designer named Tala Safier, who works for us part-time. And then um, one of our associate editors, Maddie Morley, is also our art director now. And so we have two people in-house who make sure that there's visual consistency. Um, and then our senior editor, Meg Miller, who really owns the magazine as a project. They're, those three are really there to guide that designer into their process. But the designer really does come sort of in-house with us for a couple months. But yeah, we have like a team on hand to make sure that things go smoothly. So you're, you're running through the, the names of this team and I'm hearing a lot of women's names. Mm-hmm. Only women. That wasn't necessarily by design, I will say. <laughs> it's not that we're anti-men. Uh, we started out with um, one male editor, James Cartwright, who... Uh, left to pursue work with Weapons of Reason. He's also quite girly. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think James would take offense to that, actually. I think, I think he'd cop to that, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely one of, uh, one of the more sensitive souls that I've met. Um, yeah, we've got Emily Gosling, based in London. Uh, Liz Stinson, who's also with me in New York. Uh, Meg Miller, who's in New York, as I mentioned, and will be in Berlin this next winter with Maddie. And then Tala, who splits her time between New York and Beirut. Um, so while it was not our intention to uh, create an all-women team, when a new slot opened up, when I looked for the best person for that job, um, I looked far and wide, and uh, really just those are the people, regardless of their gender, who were the best fit. But um, it is, I have to say, I've never worked on an all-women team before, and it's so much fun. <laughs> yeah. So it's good. So how, how is it different working on this team to teams you've been on before? Well, the main difference is really that I'm weirdly in charge of it, which is something I guess I should get used to by now. Um, iDesign will be going in 2019 uh, into a different sort of business structure, will be a a for-profit standalone business that AIGA will be one of many investors in. So I will be uh, not just the um, director of the magazine and the founder, but yeah, I guess also like head business lady person. Um, which is a new thing that I'm taking on, uh, and that's really, really exciting. Um, But yeah, I guess being the decision, the key decision maker in the room is the main difference, but also there's a a sense of openness and trust and uh, that is in this group of people. I think they're all really, really special and really talented, Um, and I think regardless of their gender, we all just have um, sort of like a God, this is going to sound so cheesy. We have this like really nice sisterly connection where we are really just friends with one another and get to work on a magazine. Um, none of us have ever worked at a place where we've gotten to kind of make something with our own hands and not have had to check with the president or the CEO whether something is okay. They're really all of our own decisions. And so it feels like a really special, like energy is fizzling kind of time for us. And it makes it onto the page as well, because when you think of the stories that are in there, so for this issue, you've got a, a story on the uh, the kind of overlooked women from uh, the, the 60s uh, psychedelic design scene, a story I'd never seen told mm-hmm. before. 
And I think that's important. Like the, that sort of story comes to the front when you've got women who are making the decisions and it's not, we're going to make a magazine full of women, but we're going to make a magazine full of interesting stories. And look, this one's about women. Yeah, sure. I think naturally that's how we're going to um, see certain stories. In the first issue, we wanted to look back at the history of code and how um, actual the coding language was developed and turned into design. And uh, from our perspective, we were like, where are all the women in this story? We know all the men. Um, so it's just something that as women, we're always thinking about. It makes it onto the page. And so you're looking ahead to 2019. You have a major change coming by the sounds of things with, in terms of the, the ownership of, or the funding of the magazine, I should mm-hmm. say. What do you see then as being the big opportunity that comes with that? We don't have our hands tied on a lot of stuff, but I think this gives us even more freedom to get a little wilder maybe than I think we've been. I think when you are part of an organization sort of on paper in a binding way, you feel um, a certain responsibility to make them proud, and that's good. Um, There's also a sort of responsibility that I feel to the hardcore AIGA members that has also been really good in in kind of shaping our um, worldview of design. But now I feel like we've really gotten our sea legs and we feel sort of ready to stand up on our own and show those people what we can do without our hands tied behind our backs in some way. And are you able to talk yet about the themes that we're going to see coming next? Yeah, I can tell you the next theme. So issue three, the theme is gossip. And it's actually on press right now and will drop um, December 1st. For that issue, we really wanted to look at gossip as a means of communication. And so we worked with a designer named Alan Hughes. Um, She was previously a a senior designer at Pioneer Works, which is an arts foundation in Brooklyn. And then during the process of designing the magazine, she took a job at Chobani. Um, So she was kind enough to squeeze this magazine into her busy busy schedule. But she took a really cool look. Um, She took a more conceptual approach to gossip. Um, There's a lot of obvious ways to interpret it, and we do do a lot of fun, obvious things in the magazine. But um, she looked at the patterns of communication and how information spreads. So, um, you know, everything from how news becomes fake news becomes sort of this new imagined amalgamation of information. And there's actually like a scientific way to look at how information goes from source to source and kind of gets into our collective subconsciousness, maybe. So she applied some of, she sort of took those patterns and applied to her her design aesthetic um, and her choices. She was also um, working on the Hillary campaign in 2016 and was implicated in the Pizzagate controversy slash conspiracy theory. So we have a great personal essay from her about what it was like to be a designer under those constraints, um, which is really awesome. We have um, a great long form interview with April Griman, who is the founder of Wet, the magazine for gourmet bathing. Uh, We look at, I got to go behind the scenes at People Magazine, which is the biggest celebrity entertainment magazine in the United States, and that was really fun. We also, one of the most exciting things about this magazine, to be honest, is we have this satirical insert. So if you think about the iDesign, issue number three is a design magazine about gossip. So inside we have a 16-page mini-mag insert that is a gossip magazine about design. (laughs) And it plays on all of the typical tropes of a gossip magazine from the color and the layout and the kind of 
paparazzi style shots. We had a uh, photographer slash friend uh, stock a bunch of famous design offices and snap photos of people coming and going. Amazing. Um, we've got what's in your tote designers. They're just like us. All that kind of stuff. Because you see, the thing is that all you know, all of these independent magazine people pretend that they don't read the gossip magazines. Oh, they but... all do, <laughs> <laughs> and they love it and they care about it, and it is so juicy and fun. Yeah, love yeah. it. Well, so with all of this, everything that you're doing now, how will you know this time next year that you've succeeded or, well, maybe you haven't succeeded? What, what's, what's it, what are you aiming to, to get done? Um, slow growth. I have modest but um, uh, firm numbers for my growth, and I don't want to get there too fast. We are a small team, so I know what's possible. I'll know we've succeeded if we've told... Um, three more really original stories in our in our magazine if our website continues to um, uphold this kind of the rigorous standards that I have for it and hopefully exceeds them um, if the team is happy and having a good time together and no one's stressed out about too many deadlines um, for me personally it would be really amazing if I had maybe like one more hand on deck to help <laughs> with some of the stuff like uh, Steve, we were just talking about what a stressful thing events are, and events are amazing and fun, but they are so much work. And so if we had another person who was really into our mission, who wanted to do some of the more um, uh, event production, admin, partnership, outreach stuff, that would be really great. There you go. So if you're listening to this and you are that person, <laughs> actually don't let her know, let me know first, because I'm <laughs> one of those. You. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for uh, coming over. Thanks, Steve. It's been so much fun. Okay, that's all for this week. I'd like to say thanks again to Perrin for coming over and speaking to me. And very good luck as she sets out on this next phase of Ion Design's evolution into a for-profit business in its own right. This is normally the bit where I tell you to follow us wherever you get your podcasts so we can deliver next week's episode as soon as it's ready. But we're not going to have an episode next week. That's because we're going to be judging the Stack Awards next week, which is really exciting, but also totally kills everything else in my calendar. So I'm taking a week off the podcast to make sure the judging all gets done properly. But we'll be back the week after, so you may as well follow us anyway. And we'll have another magazine maker speaking about the things that they do ready in mid-November. Thanks very much for listening to this one and we'll be back with another episode just as soon as the judging is done.